Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We'll read verses 15 through 20. And I would say that this, this passage may be, the, may be the best passage, in my opinion, in all of the book of Colossians. I think this is a super important passage, and, and Paul is presenting these words right here at the beginning of this letter. He is, he is putting Christ at the center of everything as he is writing this letter to the Colossian people, these people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and he is, he is glad to hear that. He is praising God for it. He is writing this letter to encourage them, to let them know that he is praying for them, to let them know that they need to keep growing in knowledge of the Lord. They need to trust in the Lord's strength. And we finished last week in verse 14 where he was already beginning to point his audience toward this next section that we're going to read tonight. And he, and he talked about Jesus delivering us into the kingdom of God and we have redemption of the forgiveness of sins in him, he said at the end of verse 14. And then here in verse 15, Jesus is the focus of all of these things that he's talking about. He's glorifying Jesus and that Jesus is worthy to be glorified because everything is through Jesus and for Jesus and from Jesus. So let's pray and then we will talk about it. God, we come to you and thank you for these good words and I pray, God, that we would see how Jesus is at the center of Paul's writings. And God, I pray that Jesus would be at the center of our life. God, maybe he's close to the center, but maybe he's not the center. So help us to see Jesus in these verses today, and I pray that we would glorify Jesus Christ in the same way that Paul is in these words that he's writing. I pray that you hide me behind the cross and help me to do a good job as I preach and teach these passages, God, and let your Holy Spirit... Speak to us in the power of these words that we're going to read tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, Colossians 1, 15. These verses speaking about Jesus say, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, let's stop there for a second the first part of that is is pretty beautiful he is the image of the invisible God that is you know we don't see God in 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 the flesh but when Jesus Christ came onto the scene it was God in the flesh now while we have not seen him with our eyes there is plenty of eyewitness accounts that we see in the Bible that we have here of people that did see God in the flesh in Jesus Christ he was indeed the visible image of an invisible God. And then he says he's the firstborn over all creation. Now, let's stop there for a second because we need to consider what's being said there. Uh, it may would appear to us when we read that in this context alone or in that verse alone, out of context with the rest of Scripture, it may appear as though that it's saying that Jesus is a created being. But that is not the case, and we can clearly see that throughout all of the rest of Scripture in context. Now, if we only had this verse alone to teach us about Jesus, we make it say, okay, yeah, Jesus was created, and he was the first created. But some of your translations may not use that language, firstborn. Uh, some of your translation may use language that he is the supreme being, or he is 
preeminent or something along those lines, or maybe you even see a, a, a note there speaking of Jesus being one who is preeminent. That is that Jesus is, is over all things. It is through him all things occur. That, that Jesus is, is, is in control of all things. And that's really what Paul is talking about here when he says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Not that Jesus was a created being because Jesus has always been. Now we see that in several different passages in Scripture. All right, here's a test. You didn't know you were going to have a test tonight, but here's a test. What are the first three words in the Bible in the book of Genesis? In the beginning. Good job. Everybody passed. And what comes after that? Does anybody know the next two words? In the beginning was, in the beginning God created. Right. So in the beginning was God. So we see that language there at the very beginning of Scripture. Now, when we flip to the book of John and the gospel of John, John chapter 1 verse 1 uses the same language. In the beginning. In the beginning what? Well, we know in the beginning what? Because the book of Genesis tells us, in the beginning, God. All right? John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. But who is the Word? Well, John chapter 1, verse 14 tells us, and the Word became flesh. Who is that Word that became flesh? It is Jesus Christ. And so we see that same language. We see similar language at the beginning of the letter of John. In 1 John, at the beginning of the letter, we see that same language of in the beginning. So who was in the beginning? God was in the beginning. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh. And Jesus Christ is the Word. And He was when? In the beginning. So Jesus has been. He is eternal. And when we see this language of firstborn here, it may help us to think about that more in, in a sense that Jesus is, a, is the preeminent one. He has always been. He is all-powerful. Now, I think that's an important teaching for us not to, not to overlook, and there are several uh, religious groups who would say that Jesus is a created being. But I think that if we look at Scripture as a whole, that it's clear that that's not what Paul is teaching here nor is that what Paul taught in the rest of his letters. Verse 16. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Now, that's a, that's a good couple of verses right there. Jesus Christ is at the center of everything. There can be nothing that has been done apart from Jesus Christ. Everything is created through Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. Jesus is central to God's plan. Jesus is central to every single thing that we see in this planet. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Jesus holds everything together. Now, that's a good thing for us to remember, because there are some times in our life that we feel like, man, I don't know that I'm going to be able to hold things together. 
Well, good news. You don't have to hold things together because Jesus holds things together. He holds all things together. And we need to remember that. Sometimes we may put a lot of pressure on ourselves, thinking that, man, I have to hold this together. I have to hold this church together. I have to hold this family together. I have to hold whatever it may be together. Now, that's not to say that there are not times that God may want us as, as, as family members or leadership in a church to step up and, and, and be strong around those who are around us. I'm not saying that that's not the case. But we also need to not ever think too highly of ourselves, to think that, boy, something couldn't happen without us. Because especially when it comes to a church setting, it is not a single person in this church that holds anything in here together. It is Jesus Christ and Christ alone who holds us together and who holds this church together and who holds any ministry that we have together. And if one person is not able to do whatever the job is that need to be doing, well, that doesn't mean the whole thing's going to fall apart because it's not held together by us. It's held together by God, and he will provide whatever is needed. In verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. There's that same language we, we see that we just talked about from the book of Genesis and the book of John. We talked about that language at the beginning. God was at the beginning. The Word was at the beginning. Jesus was the Word. Here we see the same language. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Now there's another phrase where we see that term, firstborn from the dead. And we may look at that and we may say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's a contradiction. There have been other people in Scripture that were raised from the dead before Jesus was raised from the dead, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So Jesus wasn't literally the firstborn from the dead. So what does Paul mean here when he says that he's the firstborn from the dead? Well, I think what Paul means is when he says that he's the firstborn of the dead, he's the firstborn of the dead never to die again. And that's the difference. There were others before Jesus who were raised from the dead. Even Lazarus, Jesus himself raised Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus wasn't raised from the dead for all of eternity. He died again not long after that. But Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he rose to never die again. And so when John says here, that, uh, excuse me, when Paul says here that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, he's saying, I believe that Jesus is the first one to to be raised from the dead and will never die again. And that's good news for those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus was not conquered by death, neither will death conquer you and I. When we die, when we leave this planet, uh, we, we may die in this life, but once we are resurrected in Jesus Christ, we will never die again. And so we have a better resurrection than Lazarus and a better resurrection than some of these others we see in Scripture who were raised from the dead. They died again. We, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, will not. He's the firstborn of the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Now, that's a good, a good passage to, remember, to help us uh, be reminded of who is first. Who has first place in everything? Well, it's Jesus. Now, I'm a pretty competitive person. If there's anything I'm doing, I want to be first at it. I want to turn it into a competition. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's vacuuming in this sanctuary, who could vacuum it the fastest? It, it wouldn't matter. You make up any game, I want to be first in it. 
And there are many things in life, whether it's, whether it's a competitive drive uh, to, to win games or to, to do better at work or whatever it may be, we may have this drive in our life, if we're really competitive, to want to be first. And sometimes that competitive drive we have may cause us to be proud and think too much of ourselves. But we need to be reminded that Jesus is always first. He is always going to be first. And we need to make sure that we put him first in our life and in everything we do in our life. There was a good, a good ministry. This has been 10 years ago. There was a book that was written called I Am Second. And they, they, they shot all these little videos, 5 to 10-minute videos, and they interviewed a bunch of a bunch of you know athletes and actors and musicians, a bunch of a bunch of famous people, and they had this white chair and they sit them there in the room alone. They put the camera on them and they let these they, these these famous folks tell their story about how they came to Jesus Christ. and And the title of the series and the book was called "I Am Second," and and it, it was them telling their stories about how they realized that Jesus had to be first. That they were failing in life through the things that they were doing, whatever it was that they do, same type of things that we do, that we realize at some point that we have to humble ourselves before Jesus and put him first and say, yeah, all right, God, I'm second. You're first in my life, but I am second. And Paul says something similar here, that Jesus is first place in everything. And so if Jesus is first in everything, then at best all we could be is second. But it may even be better to say we should shoot for third, to put Jesus first and others second and put ourselves third. And Paul says here that Jesus is first place in everything because he has died and resurrected never to die again. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Now, God certainly was pleased at Jesus. And you look back at Jesus' ministry, and when Jesus you know, did the work he did and when he prayed, Jesus wanted to bring glory to the Father. He wanted to be about the Father's work. He wanted to be obedient to the Father. We see that time and time again, that he was faithful to the Father. And whenever Jesus was baptized, God says, look, or, or maybe it was another instance. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on that. But, but in one instance, God spoke of Jesus and he said, this is my son and him I am well pleased. Of course God was pleased with Jesus because Jesus was being obedient to him. And here we see that <coughs> excuse me, that same language, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Why was God pleased to have his fullness dwell in Jesus in the flesh? Because Jesus was obedient. He was faithful to the Father in everything that he did. Hopefully God is pleased with us. That's something maybe we should consider. Uh, is God pleased to dwell in us? Because he does dwell in us when we accept Jesus Christ and we, uh, we have the Holy Spirit that indwells in us and God sets up residence within us. We are a home for God. We talked about that a few weeks ago about being the temple of God. And God dwells in us if we are his children. But is he always pleased to dwell in us? Well, the answer to that question is no. Because sometimes we do sinful things that we shouldn't do. Uh, and so we want to try to live our life in a way that God will be pleased with us. In a, in a way that our lives will be pleasing to God. Now, we know that there will be times that we fail, but we want to strive to do our best to live a life that is pleasing to God. And when we do sin, we just repent of that and do what is right and try to walk closer to the Lord moving forward. Verse 20. 
and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Now, we are at peace with God because of Jesus Christ, because of his life on the cross, because of his blood that was shed. We are at peace with God. And that's something that we do not want to take lightly. Because of our, because of our sin that separated us from God, in a sense you could say that we were at war with God. That's similar to the language that Paul uses in Romans. We were enemies of God. Well, when you look at people who are at war with each other, what do they call each other? Enemies. They're fighting with each other. They're shooting each other. They're bombing each other. They're doing whatever they can to destroy their enemy. Because that's what you do, right? You want to destroy your enemy. The good guys need to win. And Paul says in Romans that we are enemies of God because of our sin. But through Jesus Christ, we can become friends with God. Through Jesus Christ, we no longer have to be enemies of God, but we can be at peace with God. Now, there's no peace treaty that we can come up with on our own before God and say, okay, all right, I've really seen. Let me write some stuff out and say, okay, God, here's some things. Let's see if we can't work, make a deal and make a peace treaty. And anything that we try to do on our own, any deals we work up, we'll hand them to God and he'll say, no deal. Man, how are we going to get peace with God? Well, there's only one way that we become at peace with God, and that's through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Jesus Christ is at the center of everything. He is the peace that we are looking for. He is the deliverance that we are looking for. He is the redemption that we are looking for. We are created because of Him. Everything that has been created is for Him and for His glory to build the kingdom of God, to build the kingdom that Jesus Christ came to bring and established at His death and resurrection. And that's what Paul is saying in this letter. He is putting Jesus at the center of everything. And that's what we need to remember from this letter and from the rest of the Bible, is that Jesus has to be at the center of everything we do in our personal life, in our church life, in our work life, whatever it may be, we must keep Jesus at the center. We must make sure that Jesus is first and we are second. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for your good word. And I pray that you would help us to keep Jesus at the center of everything we say and everything we do. And God, if we look at our life and we see that Jesus is not at the center, I pray that you would help us to repent of whatever sin may be in our life and to do what we can to be obedient to you, dear Lord, that we would live our life in a way pleasing to you, dear Lord, just as Jesus himself did. Let us follow his example. And God, I pray that if there are any that are not at peace tonight, that they would find peace tonight through Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvnme.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.